Warm welcome to the Apple Store Kurfürstendamm. Tonight's guest moderator is Stephen Gatkins. Thank you very much. And uh, thank you very much uh, for the warm welcome. Basically, we've all gathered here tonight because uh, there's going to be a huge, fantastic, epic movie being released on the 31st of uh, October in Germany. It's called Thor, The Dark Kingdom. And uh, tomorrow, there's a huge premiere on the Potsdamer Platz. So if you want to check out the stars that you're going to meet tonight and some of the others like Tom Hiddleston, Natalie Portman and Chris Hemsworth, please do join us. And just to give you an idea on what's about to happen tonight, uh, basically I'm going to have a little chit chat with our two guests and then you will get the chance to ask questions. And if you have one, please raise your hand because the light is pretty bright and I will check who's, uh, who's up for asking a question and then we will hand you a microphone. Please stand up so our guests can, can see you and then you just go ahead and shoot with whatever you want to talk about. Just to get you into the mood, we have a fantastic trailer that we would love to show to you, Thor The Dark Kingdom. Please enjoy. After all this time, now you come to visit me, brother. Why? To mock. I need your help. But I wish I could trust you. If you did, you'd be the fool I always took you for. Some believe that before the universe, there was nothing. They're wrong. There was darkness, and it has survived. What's gonna happen? I gave you my word. I would return for you. Face an enemy, known only to a few. Known only to one. You must be truly desperate to come to me for help. If we do nothing, they will destroy us. You even think about betraying him. I'll kill you. That was for New York. I like her. Thor, your bravery will not ease your pain. Your family, your world will be extinguished. We're running out of time. The very fabric of reality will be torn apart. I'll find a way to save us all. Anyone else? Goosebumps. Okay, now let's get going. Let's uh, get you introduced to our two guests tonight. Um, one of them has become the president of Marvel Productions in 2007 and has since produced a couple of small art house movies such as the Iron Man franchise, Avengers Assemble, uh, Captain America, and he's working hard to extend the Marvel 
universe even further. The other gentleman is a brilliant director on TV. He has directed episodes of TV series such as Sex and the City, Sopranos, Mad Men, and Game of Thrones. Please welcome Marvel's mastermind and producer of Thor The Dark Kingdom, Kevin Feige, and its brilliant Emmy Award-winning director, Alan Taylor. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome, Alan and Kevin. Great to have you in Berlin. Alan, let's get started with you. Um, I heard that you got the call to direct Thor The Dark Kingdom while being on set of Game of Thrones. What did you think about that call? Yes, uh, we were in Belfast uh, finishing the season of Game of Thrones and I thought they dialed the wrong number. I mean, that sounds like a joke, that they, I, but I, uh, it was so outside of my my career path um, that I thought some horrible mistake had been made, yeah. And you didn't make a mistake because he has done the brilliant movie, but why did you call him, Kevin? It was the right number. Uh, <laughs> we, needed, uh, we knew we needed a new filmmaker and I was looking uh, and realizing that television um, was an unbelievable, uh, was having a renaissance. You know, the, the shows that you named um, were all inspirations and, and all of those shows had something in common which was Alan Taylor's name on it and it was <laughs> And it was the fact that he had done Game of Thrones that made me think maybe he would be interested. You know, Thor is a very different tonally thing than Game of Thrones, but they share a bit of the same fantasy uh, uh, element and the, and the realistic portrayal of fantasy. Um, and that's why we reached out to Alan and thankfully uh, uh, he said yes. Alan, there are a couple of directors who have tackled Marvel's superheroes. Did you, prior to starting to direct Thor The Dark Kingdom, talk to like, someone like Jon Favreau, mm -hmm. Kenneth Branagh, Joss Whedon or uh, Shane Black? Yeah, I, I, um, this was so new for me that I tried to talk to everybody I could uh, who'd been through the same process, and uh, John Favreau was great. He um, tried to sort of give me a pep talk. <laughs> um, and I spoke to Shane Black, and I spoke to Joss Whedon. Um, I, I, I had one moment with Ken Branagh, who I really should talk to since he was the closest to what I'd done, and we were um, having drinks at a Marvel cocktail party in London, and sort of made a plan to meet again to talk some more um, away from the drinks and away from Marvel. And we, um, we, we never had a chance because he got dragged into um, Jack Ryan, his next movie. So I went in with a little conversation with him, but um, I would have loved to ask him more about, you know, how on earth should I do this? How did you do it? What did the others tell you? I mean, did they basically prep talk you and say, Ellen, do whatever you can do? And uh, was it a certain thing well, that they basically gave you? John, John Favreau is a, a big sort of menschy, nice guy, and he basically just spent the whole phone call saying, you'll do fine, you'll do fine, <laughs> you'll do fine, trying to um, make me relax. Uh, Shane Black and others said, you know, hold on tight, it's going to be quite a ride, it's, um, it's a roller coaster, and uh, trust the process, and, it's, uh, and, and, you know, get ready for a process that's unlike anything you've ever done before, especially since I come from TV. Uh, and they were right. You have to hang on and trust the process. And it turned out fantastic. I mean, most of you will be able to check that out, but we saw the trailer. Kevin, um, in comparison to the first part of Thor, what was important for you uh, in creating the Dark Kingdom and especially the vibe and the look? Well, this is interesting because it's a sequel to two movies. It's a sequel to the original Thor and it's a sequel in part to the Avengers. And we wanted to continue, particularly Thor and Loki's story from Avengers. Their relationship changed drastically at the end of the first Thor, 
drastically throughout the course of Avengers, where Loki was the primary villain of the piece. Um, and we knew, of course, we wanted to pick up with, uh, with uh, where he left Jane Foster, and of course he promised that he would return, and because of Avengers it had been a long time and he hadn't called. So we thought there would be fun potential there. Um, and we also wanted to build upon what Ken Branagh had created in the first film. The world of Asgard was sort of brilliantly conceived in that first film, uh, but it was very shiny and it was very, um, we only saw it from a, from a great distance. Mm. And, uh, and one of the things we talked about with Alan early on was seeing more of Asgard, going down to street level and seeing where the people lived and interacted and giving it a bit of a, uh, a more lived-in patina, a, a little bit of a, of a grittier look. Um, purely so that the reality would land a little bit more. Kevin, you were just talking about the relationships, something that the fan base has been thinking about, you know, there have been rumors on the internet. Uh, how did you, Alan, experience uh, the relationship between Tom, for example, and Chris, and how did they appear to you when you met them for the first time? Um, I'm trying to think back to when I first met them. I guess I met Chris first, and the most immediate thing about Chris is You know, he's Australian, <laughs> he's, uh, he's, he's, he's warm, he, he hugs people a lot, he calls everybody might, uh, and you immediately relax with him, I think. Um, uh, Tom is, you know, uh, more elegant and, and, and more precise, and he's, uh, but he's just as warm. Um, so I met them separately, then I finally saw them together, and as soon as you see them together, it's funny, partly because I guess they work together, but there is a chemistry between them that is very a direct relation to the brothers. Um, you see Tom's elegant, dexter you know, dexterous mind, and he's agile, and he's always sort of performing a little bit, and Chris is straight ahead, warm, um, and the two of them talking on the corner of the set, it's, it's, you, it feels like you're watching the brothers a little bit. And I, obviously I benefited from the fact that they'd had Ken Branagh's movie and Avengers to sort of get their characters up and running, and there's such great, um, actors, artists, that they're always curious and always looking for new ways to, to do it and new places to go and stuff. And in our film, we get to take them to some strange new territory. Uh, you know, the question looms as to how evil is Loki? Is he capable of something besides evil? And we got to explore that with them this time. Saying how evil is Loki, did you ever expect Loki to be such a fan favorite? I mean, Chris, as Thor, you know, is the superhero, but everyone seems to like Loki. <laughs> As much, for, uh, see? We, is that true? Do you like Loki? Uh, we we like Loki too, and we believed we believed in Loki, which is why we had built two films around him. You know, people forget that we were in production on the first Avengers film with Loki as the primary villain before we even released Thor into theaters. So it was a it was a roll of the dice and a bet based on our sort of belief in the character that the audience would 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 enjoy him. Uh, I would say now, through the Dark Kingdom, it has reached a level that even we would not have predicted thanks to Tom Hiddleston's portrayal of the character. It is, you know, each city we go into, now Berlin, we started in Seoul, South Korea, and there were thousands and thousands of fans waiting for him, wearing Loki costumes, Loki's army. Are there any members of Loki's army here tonight? A few, good. <laughs> uh, They're going to be there tomorrow as well. Excellent. Okay, okay. Uh, I can only, uh, I can only uh, uh, imagine what tomorrow will be like here in Berlin. You know, and the great thing is, for all the Loki fans, we have a wonderful clip showing the relationship between Thor and Loki. Enjoy. I know you seek vengeance as much as I do. You help me escape Asgard, and I will grant it to you. Vengeance. And afterward, this cell. <laughs> oh, 
you must be truly desperate to come to me for help. What makes you think you can trust me? I don't. And you should know that when we fought each other in the past, I did so with a glimmer of hope that my brother was still in there somewhere. That hope no longer exists to protect you. You betray me, and I will kill you. When do we start? Alan, I read this great article and uh, the journalist basically said that you are responsible for killing Ned Stark on Game mm. of Thrones, you're responsible for killing Julius Caesar on Rome and responsible for killing off Christopher Moldi-Santi on The Sopranos. So that's a couple of people that you... And Wild Billy Hickok in Deadwood. Okay, see, <laughs> a couple of more. But was that something that you basically took with you to make <laughs> Thor, in a sense, a lot darker than the first one. I, I tried, and one of the first things Marvel said was that I, I couldn't kill uh, Thor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but we, you know, I don't think we're saying, I'm saying too much to say that there are some beloved characters who I got to take that out on. <laughs> um, in our film, uh, that's part of the darkness, is that uh, some people are sacrificed that uh, we care deeply about by this point. Um, I don't know what it is about my personality that, uh, it's like I'm the executioner at HBO or something. Um, <laughs> um, but it's become, so, yeah, I enjoy it. <laughs> but, you know, turning back to the movie, because um, it is a lot darker, but it has a lot of great comedic elements. Was that something that you were aiming for, especially with the sequel, you know, talking about a new villain, Malekith? Well, I, I feel like Marvel does it all the time. I mean, it, that's what they're, and I had to sort of catch up to it personally. I came in thinking, dark, 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 uh, dirty, dirty. And then I had to sort of catch up to the fact that that had to be balanced by, you know, if anything, even more humor to make sure that those tones were fully there. Because I caught up to sort of what I think most of us really love most about the Marvel voice is that range of tones that's in the comics and also in the movies. And it's a, humor is a huge tool, I think, for us to make these otherworldly characters, these super-powered characters, as relatable as, as possible. Um, and, and it hadn't occurred to me how much death followed you around, frankly. <laughs> Uh, but uh, but uh, there's also a great sense of humor behind that, and, and many of the gags and the uh, and the great humor in this movie came out of early meetings that we had with uh, with uh, the, uh, the the death deal here <laughs> with the Grim Reaper. Um, but the, I mean, the humor is is something that's it comes from all sources because some of the moments were scripted and developed by us in the room, and um, some came from suggestions from storyboard artists. One of my favorite funniest moments in the movie, it's a very small moment, but it, uh, Chris Hemsworth came onto our set and you know, he's at his girlfriend's apartment for the first time and doesn't know what to do with Mjolnir and the way he solved that uh, was just his idea on the, on the moment, in the moment and it's, uh, we grabbed it because we knew it was sort of exactly the tone of humor that the movie needs. So. I'm just going to give one cue, I mean there's another great comedic moment with uh, the subway uh, system yes. in London, but that's yes. something that you have to check out for yourself. <laughs> um, another Fantastic thing talking about comedic elements. I think you know we've seen so many great movies with Nat Natalie Portman, uh, Leon, uh, The Professional, Heat, uh, Garden State, uh, Black Swan. But I think in this one she is really funny. <laughs> I mean the moments that she has with uh, with Chris. Where did you want her to be basically be standing in the relationship between you know Loki and Thor, who have done two movies together, and she sort of was left out, and now she's back in the whole team up again. Well, we wanted to continue, <coughs> excuse me, we wanted to continue that romance, of course, um, and 
Jane Foster is sort of the, the earthbound anchor for the film. And her, she's an astrophysicist, so a lot of her science is what helps us uh, explain the, the cosmic realm of Asgard and things like that. So it's very, very important to, to the movie. It was important to her, I think, in early discussions that she not just stand around and talk about science. She wanted to have more playful elements over the course of the movie. That was it? funny because I, I was, you know, afraid of meeting her because she's a movie star and she won an Academy Award. And I remember the first meeting we had with her, I wanted to reassure her that it was going to be a serious movie, you know, with lots of you know, serious moments. Um, she's coming off Black Swan. Uh, and to my surprise, all she wanted to know was that she was going to be funny in the movie, too, that she had a chance to be funny. Because in the first film, there was a lot of humor, but she felt that she sometimes was outside the joke. And in this one, uh, it, was a, it was a great relief to hear that she wanted to be part of the humor, and she is. And we have another clip basically showing the first meeting of Thor and Jane after what had happened uh, in New York. Enjoy. I just needed to make sure you were real. It's been a very strange day. Oh, I am. Jane, what? Where were you? Where were you? Heimdall could not see you. I was right here where you left me. I was waiting, and then I was crying, and then I went out looking for you. You said you were coming back. I know, I know, but the Bifrost was destroyed. The Nine Realms erupted into chaos. Wars were raging. Marauders were pillaging. I had to put an end to the slaughter. As excuses go, it's not terrible. But I saw you on TV. You were, you were in New York. Jane, I fought to protect you from the dangers of my world, but I was wrong. I was a fool. I believe that fate brought us together. <laughs> Kevin, earlier on I spoke about, you know, that you are in charge of creating this amazing universe that Marvel has done in the past with comic books and the stories that they tell. So where are you heading at the moment, especially connecting all these different storylines, Avengers Assemble, then uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy? I mean, there's so many things that are happening at the same time. What can we expect? Well, we've, you know, we, we look at these, uh, this is a, is a saga of a, of a cinematic universe that, that we're building, and, and we consider Iron Man 1 through to the first Avengers film, Avengers Assemble, as phase one and that now we're in phase two, meaning the films between Avengers films and, and earlier this summer we had Iron Man 3, um, which uh, we were very pleased with the response it got that, uh, that you know, that film and, and much of the phase two films were designed to go, okay, if you love them together, remember they're just as interesting by themselves and obviously with the upcoming release of The Dark Kingdom doing the same thing for Thor. Next year we have the return of the first Avenger, the next Captain America film which is very, very different. He's in a contemporary world now, a modern world, wholly different genre than the first Captain America film. Uh, and in a lot of ways, it is what is going to link Avengers and Avengers 2. So we sort of call it Avengers 1.5. <laughs> uh, he's working with S.H.I.E.L.D., Black Widow, Nick Fury. <clears throat> the events of that film will carry directly into the beginning of the next Avengers film. And as you mentioned, Guardians of the Galaxy, which is a completely different movie for Marvel, all new characters. Um, with, uh, with uh, a unique set of, uh, of, of actors um, that we're very excited about to, to expand our universe beyond simply the Avengers characters. 
then Avengers Age of Ultron, and Edgar Wright is bringing, finally, after almost 10 years, uh, Ant-Man to the screen in 2015 after uh, Avengers Age of Ultron. Wow. So there are a lot of stories to tackle, a lot of things yes. to, uh, to do. Uh, talking about the size of the uh, Marvel Universe, you know, getting back to the size of a movie such as Thor The Dark Kingdom, Ellen, you are someone who's more in favor of creating words on location mm -hmm. than instead of, you know, in front of a green screen. Um, so what did you do? What, what did you do and where did you go to be able to create that word? Yeah, we, we talked about this early on. It was, I was hoping to make Asgard and all of our, the realms we were seeing for the first time feel relatable and, and, and real. So uh, to me, that means putting real things in front of the camera for the actors to interact with. It affects you at every level, the performance, but also the way you use the camera. So for Asgard, for example, we shot um, plates in Norway to create the topography to build our imaginary city on top. Um, in, uh, for Svartalheim, which is the land of, well, it's the Dark Kingdom, um, the land of the dark elves. We went to Iceland to use the fantastical landscapes you can get there with black volcanic sand and, and so on. Um, London, uh, our Earth story takes place in London, so we let London just be the character, and we shot on you know real locations there, which I think helps. And when it came to Asgard, uh, the scenes we staged in Asgard, we built some of the biggest sets that I think Marvel had ever built, um, and we built them sort of the old-fashioned way. Uh, with a great designer who uses plaster and metal and wood um, so that you could really feel them was, was the idea. And it um, looks awesome. I think it, it comes across. Really I think it helps. And then you sort of, you know, CGI and, and visual effects become part of it, but you have a base there. Kind of. You've got to check it out. It's <laughs> really, really cool. I think now it's time for questions from the floor. Is there anyone who would like to ask our two guests a question? The What's lady right here in the first row. Hi, first of all. Um, I would like to thank Marvel for outing Loki as a bisexual character. Very, very much. <laughs> much great and secondly, I would like to ask, um, we talked about Loki a lot, and uh, what about a standalone movie for Loki? Is there any plans in the future? Well, you know, the, we, we, we're going to finish this press tour and go back and talk about it, because everywhere we go, people ask us that, that <laughs> question. Same question. And the first thing we think is, well, they must be asking because they like what we've done with the character so far. So that, that is, that is our, our first takeaway. Um, and as Tom Hiddleston has said to that very question, um, you know, Thor is defined by Loki, Loki is defined by Thor. In the comics, it is, it is their mutual storylines that, uh, that uh, provide the backbone for most of the stories. But we love that people have embraced the character so much, and, and we're going to have to talk about it. <laughs> Thanks. Any more questions? The lady back there with the glasses, just stand up, exactly. No, yeah, yeah, that, that lady. Uh, thank you for the chance. Uh, glad to see you, Kevin. Actually, I was in London's Apple Store, but there was too many Tom's fans. I haven't get the chance. <laughs> 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 and uh, uh, first uh, uh, question: um, uh, Do you a little journalist that uh, uh, in London there, there was even a question asked for our director Alan, but no one asked you this uh, any question? Do you have any journalists for uh, our actor uh, for this? Do we and, uh, uh, is that a, sorry, is the question for Kevin? Yes, I, okay. I want to ask Kevin uh, that uh, in London, there was uh, uh, many questions asked for Tom and yes. even a question asked for our yeah. director, Alan, but no one asked for you. Nobody <laughs> wants to talk to the producer. It's much more exciting to talk uh, to the actor. Uh, 
And I think the great success. I'll be, I'll be over here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, and I think the great, uh, great success of my own movie, uh, that's because your name on it. And uh, actually, my question was being answered in London uh, by a. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I've heard that uh, uh, your contract is already covered uh, phase three. <laughs> Congratulations. And I think. Uh, we can't uh, without you to uh, uh, the, the Marvel can, can't without you to bring very us. Very nice. Thank <laughs> you very very much. <laughs> that is very sweet. And, and, and I have. Uh, Do you have a question, okay. though? Yes. <laughs> and uh, uh, may I ask you a personal question? That uh, I have seen your uh, uh, the producer list. That you uh, all the uh, movie you producer is uh, about Marvel and. Uh, who is your personal favorite uh, superhero? There, there's a question. There it is. Um, well, <laughs> thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much. Come on. Yes. Uh, my name is on these movies. There are a lot of names on these movies. Our co-president, Ludi Esposito, is in the audience here. He is equally responsible for these movies. Um, uh, my favorite character, I find it very hard to pick a favorite when I you know, I can be a part of so many of them. Um, but the truth is, I love what Thor has done for the cinematic universe and that we can open it up to other worlds, which allowed the finale of the Avengers, which allows us to get into the Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, and I also love Iron Man very much because he was the first one without Iron Man, uh, which was the first film that we produced ourselves at Marvel. We put all of our taste, all of our uh, instincts into that film and the fact that the audience responded so well is what, is what has led uh, to where we are today in the cinematic universe. So. Yeah, I would say to those two. And thank you very much for everything you've said. <laughs> Any more compliments or <laughs> questions? Uh, let's have a gentleman, yeah, with the cap. Yeah, right there. <clears throat> Sorry to make you run back and forth. You're going to look like Thor. After. <laughs> Never runs. Uh, thank you for the chance. <laughs> uh, actually, I got a question for Kevin. Um, it's more like into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, like, Marvel has already released the Agent Shield TV series. And I've heard that there will be, like, more, four more TV series uh, for Marvel. And one of them is, like, Agent uh, Peggy Carr, the one from Captain America. Maybe you could give us, like, a little bit hints. Um, <laughs> there have been some rumors lately of additional shows. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Is, 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 of course, on the air now. The success of that show, I'm sure, has led Jeff Loeb and the people that run our television division to figure out what is next. Ludi Esposito directed a wonderful short that you can all see on the Iron Man 3 Blu-ray about Agent Carter. Um, uh, so certainly there's potential there. Uh, and among the 8,000 Marvel characters, there's lots of characters that are probably better suited for television and the ongoing storylines that that allows. What those are, I'm not sure yet, but I'm sure there will be announcements uh, in the not-too-distant future, but not today. <laughs> um, Alan, we've been continuously talking about uh, Thor and Loki, but there's another great character, or Jane, but there's another great character in this one, Malekith, uh, portrayed by Christopher Eccleston. And uh, the way that uh, he looks amazing, mm -hmm. I mean, the, the, the makeup and the design of the costume is just mind-blowing, and then the language. Mm. What did you do in creating him? Because now you've had so many different villains 
in the Marvel Universe? What was important you know, in his look and the way that he would yeah, the, appear on, on obviously screen? Obviously, the, the, who the villain is is a hugely defining thing of, of any of these movies. And in our case, we had Loki who was playing a kind of uh, complex quasi-villain role, but he wasn't th going to be the main villain, you guys had already decided. And so uh, Chris Elkiston came on to play Malekith and to sort of provide the bigger threat and the darkness that everything else kind of plays against. And part of the fun and part of the challenge of inventing a new uh, villain, or not inventing, but you know, carrying him to, onto the screen for the first time is you have to invent their look. And you can sometimes go to the comics for um, a lot of inspiration, but there are times when you need to step away from the comics. And um, if you go to look at the comics, uh, you'll see Malekith is very different than the way he appears on our screen. He wears sort of a multicolored coat. He's got wild hair. Um, there, we were true to some elements in the design. We, he has a very famous uh, two-toned face, and we kind of give an origin myth um, for that look. But it was a lot of work uh, with a lot of people involved. Um, Charlie Wen is one of the designers of a lot of the imagery for Marvel. Um, David White is a, the guy that did the prosthetics that make it possible whoops, for him to have that face, but also not lose the, the actor or lose the performance. Um, yeah, I'm really proud of that imagery. It's, you can see him a little bit. Uh, on the back. On the poster, he's, where's he hiding? Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, he's, yeah, he's, he's, loom, he's looming on the upper left, but uh, yes, if you come see the film, um, I think he's both uh, unnerving and beautiful at the same time. Kevin, that would be a question to you. Um, you know, 20 years ago, the bad guy would be bad. He would be the, the prime evil person. But I think that the villain over the years has changed, especially in the Marvel Universe. If you look at, for example, Iron Man 3, Ben Kingsley's portrayal <laughs> of the Mandarin was, yeah, but it was, I think, brilliant. And, um, and this time in Thor, Malekith is not just evil, but he has sort of, I mean, you, know, you understand why he is that way. Is that something that you want to create? I mean, Loki as well sure. is the, the, the evil guy in Avengers. I, I think the best changed. villains have always, have always had that, that uh, attribute, I think, in the comic books. Um, the best villains, Magneto in the X-Men is one of the best villains from the, from the comics and in those early movies because you understood where he was coming from. You understood his end game. You just didn't agree with how he was, he was <laughs> going about it. I hope you didn't agree with it. Um, and same thing with Loki. Is that it, and that, again, is one of the reasons why we built two movies around Loki before anyone uh, who wasn't a comic fan knew who the heck Loki was. It's because we believed in those, in those textures. In the same way, the conversations with Malekith uh, were as much about his nobility and his lost dark kingdom and what his, uh, what his people and what he believed he had sacrificed to just give a, a shred of hope that his people could survive. Um, uh, and when you relate to a bad guy, it's more than just them twirling their mustache like they used to do in the old days. That's true. Questions? Compliments? <laughs> in the back, the gentleman. Uh, hey, my question is to Kevin, that uh, why did you decide to leave out the poor Spider-Man from the Avenger movies? <laughs> uh, well, I'm not sure I'd call him poor Spider-Man. <laughs> I think Spidey is doing just well. Um, uh, he is contracted to appear in films produced by the Sony uh, studio. They've done an amazing job on all of the Spider-Man films and I think will continue to do so for years to come. Uh, and also, he never played a, a big part in the Avengers. Sometimes. Um, if they wanted to sell comic books, they would put Spidey in there for a few issues. Um, but he was never really at the core of who the Avengers were. Um, who knows what will happen in the future of the cinematic universe, but right now, Spidey's doing fine where he is, and I think the Avengers are doing fine where they are. Mm -hmm. The lady right here in the third row on the right-hand side. 
Microphone's coming that way. Thank you. Um, I have a question to actually both of you. Um, in Kenneth Brenner's thought, we see um, Asgard as very shiny and golden and everything is perfect and light and everything's shiny. And I guess in some of the trailers, we see actually Loki as he's um, led into the throne room. And that has uh, completely changed. Like it's not a lot darker and there are a lot of um, darker colors. It's not as golden anymore. So I would like to know um, to what extent did you keep like um, Kenneth Branagh's vision of Asgard and how it was meant to look like and to what extent um, did it change now that another director has done it? Well, I think you, you'll see uh, in the film that uh, the, the exterior of the palace is very similar. Much of the Topography is very similar. The Bifrost Bridge and Heimdall's Observatory, which has been rebuilt from the end of the first film, is, is very, very similar. Um, and in the first film, it was a very unique thing. It was establishing this sort of science fiction, sort of fantasy, entirely Marvel version of, uh, of these Norse gods as, as drawn by Jack Kirby in the comics, which are very gold and very angular. Um, and because that had never been brought to the screen before, we really wanted to differentiate it from Lord of the Rings or from things, things uh, uh, that uh, audiences were more used to. Um, now that audiences understand what Asgard is, that Thor is a known character, we thought we had the leeway to, to go deeper, to go to the street levels, as we said, to see more of the underside of Asgard. The other thing I say is we see Asgard for the first time in the, in the original Thor as it was prepped for a coronation before the frost giant attack and they buffed the place up and made it very <laughs> shiny for the coronation. Um, yes, and by the time I came along, they'd buffed it down. Uh, <laughs> it, uh, I mean, I, I, there's a lot of respect for that approach um, and it's, it's really in keeping with a you know, specific take on Asgard, which is uh, in the comics that, you know, that these are not literally gods, they are an, a superior race with superior technologies that we mistook for gods in the past, which I think is a great way of, of setting them in the Marvel Universe. I was always drawn to imagery that had um, a sense of the scale and the weight that you get from the Norse mythology and the Celtic mythology. So I was really grateful to have an excuse to bring that in. Um, so buffing it down was that excuse. Uh, yeah, the, the palace and the exterior are still the same, um, but we get to go to sort of backstage at Asgard a little bit more this time. Um, still the same world, but just uh, it's gotten a little uh, more lived in. I'm afraid we only have time for one, maybe two more questions. The lady right there with the glasses, and then let's see what happens. Um, first of all, thank you for coming to Berlin. I hope you enjoy your stay mm -hmm. here. And I have a question to both of you. Um, if you had to choose, where would you rather live? Uh, on Asgard or here on Midgard? <laughs> that's a good wow, question. Wow, that's the question Jane has to ask herself all the time. Um, <laughs> cheapers. Uh, Mm. Uh, <laughs> I, would like to, I would like to visit Asgard and then sort of decide. No, you have to commit. Asgard. <laughs> um, can I bring my family and my kids with me wherever I go? If, uh, oh, you're not, she's sure. not sure. She's not sure. <laughs> um, that would pretty much be a deal breaker. If I could take the kids to Asgard, I think I'd probably, I bet they've got great education there. Uh, <laughs> probably pretty low crime rate. Health system is Health system, universal health care, yes. which, you know, my country is looking for. Um, uh, so Asgard with the kids. Final question. There was a lady over there with the uh, struck chard and glasses. 
Hello. Um, yeah, since this is a sequel to pretty much two movies, I was wondering how difficult it was to strike a balance between you know, inside jokes and cross-references to the other movies and at the same time still make it appealing to viewers who have maybe never seen a, a Marvel or Avengers movie before. Uh, exactly. That is the key <laughs> to, to, to all of our films. Um, it always has to work as a film first. And you hire a director like Alan Taylor, who thinks the connections are fun and neat and everything, but cares about his films. <laughs> and, and that's what we want, is, is to focus first and foremost on the film as a film. Everything else is, uh, is icing on top of the cake and, and to make it fun. And, and uh, I think post-Avengers, we can have references to New York. We can have references, uh, as Loki makes, to, to Thor's new friends and other friends. Mm. And that's just enough for the audience um, who know it really well. Uh, and wear Loki shirts to Apple uh, store Q&As that really <laughs> understand it, and people who may or may not have even seen the other movies, but sort of know they exist. Or who wear Game of Thrones t-shirts to Apple store. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that is the challenge, you know, um, as you were saying, you, you screen it for aud little audiences about this size to see what people are thinking of it as you're finishing it, and you ask them, you know, who has seen the Avengers, who has seen Thor 1, and you said something very interesting, which was that for those who have seen, seen Thor 1 and Avengers, you also ask them, do you think it was necessary to see those films to understand this one? And the ones who have seen both say, yes, it's necessary, you have to see these movies. And the ones who haven't seen them say, no, it's not necessary, you don't have to see those movies. Um, so, but that's, who you, that's the, the spectrum of people you're trying to reach, is yeah. that, that wide. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, for coming here, asking all these interesting <laughs> questions. Thank you very much for the compliments. Please do <laughs> check out Thor The Dark Kingdom opening up on the 31st of October. Tomorrow is a huge premiere. Please join us. It's going to be great. And thank you so much, Adam thank you. and Kevin Feige. Thanks very much. All the very best. We're looking forward to all the movies coming out. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks.